Amazing, amazing, eh? Come on. It's fantastic. Wow. I, I just said to um, Jared last night on the way home, you've got to know as a church, you're punching way above your weight. Right. I'll, try the, I'll try this side. You, know, it's just like, it's, you really are punching way above your weight. Now I get the, yeah, come on, that's right. Yeah, stir these guys up. The, um, uh, you know, I, I get to travel a bit and, um, you know, I just go on places all around the world really and, and you know, big conferences and small conferences and big churches and small churches and you know there's always a you know I, I always wet my finger so to speak and stick it in the air when I come into a church and uh, you know the wind is definitely blowing in here I can tell you you know when 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 God created man he uh, did this very very cool thing um, you know he just got a whole bunch of dirt together and just uh, just formed it in his own image and then he did one thing he breathed into it that's right and, uh, you know, if you had ears to hear this morning, uh, you know, you wouldn't have to be deaf, dumb and blind to hear it. But there was just, you know, this amazing breath that was being talked about, this amazing oil that was coming. But the breath particularly caught that attention of mine. It was like this divine hongi that would come down from heaven and he breathed into the nostrils of man. And we as a nation, which is a prophetic nation in the world, and the nations of the world, New Zealand is a prophetic nation. Uh, in, 19, in 1980s, we were the largest sending missionary organization country per capita in the world and we've dropped back to about third place now but you've got to know that that you know we punch way above our weight as well and uh, we led the world in praise and worship you may not know that but there was a crack in history that uh, that in the uh, in the charismatic renewal uh, in the in the 70s and 80s that New Zealand actually led the world in praise and worship and uh, you know with songs of praise and songs of the kingdom and Dale and David Garrett and some of you may know them um, but they were champions of all of that and it's a world standard now uh, uh, in uh, copyright and all kinds of things like that that New Zealand begin to push through into all of that uh, for the for the Christian music industry and uh, and and so and it's not just an industry it's a ministry you know, so, uh, and so I just want to so encourage you with that. But it was because this breath came out of our nation, this, this, this little nation, you know, of like 4 million people now. And it used to be 80 million sheep. Uh, they've, they've culled that back because we've eaten a lot of them now. And, um, but, <laughs> or sent them away or something. But, um, uh, you know, I remember, you know, years ago it was like the 80 million sheep and 3 million people or whatever. But again, punching above our weight. And this, and this call, and if you've ever been welcomed onto a marae before or, had the privilege of being around Maori people when they, you know, um, when they really touch something in the prophetic. They are such a prophetic people as well. And uh, this call, this karanga, begins to come out when you come on the welcome place, and and you feel, you know, even the hair on my head stands up sometimes, you know, which is like raising the dead. But uh, it's um, it's it's very cool. And uh, this breath comes, and so God breathed into man. He just he he like. Just about gave him his hongi, I guess, and, and did that. And then you go into Ezekiel, and, and Ezekiel's standing there, and the devastation of armies gone by, and, 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 and victories lost in history. And God says, look at the bones, look at, look at the history around you. And he says, now begin to prophesy. And prophesy to the breath, he said. Prophesy to the wind. And the Hebrew word is ruch, which is the same word for the spirit. And uh, in Greek, it's pneuma, which we would get like pneumothorax or, you know, pneumonia or something like that. But it's to do with breath. It's to do with wind. It's to do with, you know, I, you know, I worked in a hospital. I saw people live and die. And uh, trust me, they, 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 they take a big breath when they live. You know, it's like little baby. Go, <gasps> you know, Wah! 
I heard my little granddaughter uh, you know, just about a year ago now. I heard her before I could see her as I walked down that hospital corridor. I went, that's my girl. <laughs> She's got a preacher's lungs, you know, like, you know. But I've seen people expire and just give up their last breath as well. And uh, it's sad and 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 mystical and supernatural and and uh, and suddenly in a moment of time they're changed, and it's really good for us to meditate on that every now and again. You know, just just check your pulse. <laughs> you know, just hold your heart sometimes because one day it's going to stop. And uh, and we don't don't often think about that, um, but you know, I, I I guess just because uh, of the kind of family and background that I have, we have a very we have a, a, an amazing and um, and uh, some people would call weird, but um, uh, view of death, in the sense that we we go, hey, this is just this is just this is just the beginning. Oh, gee, I shouldn't have done this in the morning, eh? This is a real day. <laughs> but we need to consider our mortality from time to time. It makes us real people. And, uh, and because uh, uh, we don't get another turn, this is it. And we take our spirit and our soul with us. And so if we don't adjust the things in our life now, you know, we, we get to live with that for eternity. <laughs> Oh, that was so underwhelming, wasn't it? So it's like, and so uh, that's why we, we we need to be committed to having the breath of God in us, because every time uh, we 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 begin to breathe in His free air and His breath, things change for us. Um, I love the gift of tongues. I talked about that a little bit last night, but um, um, one of the things that um, the, the 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 gift of tongues is, and it's been minimised. I spoke about that uh, in some ways, but I want to encourage you: if you've been filled or baptised in the Holy Spirit, you you have the ability to speak in other tongues. It's not an issue. Uh, this is the issue. Sometimes this gets in the road because we don't speak to God out of our brain. We speak to Him out of our spirit. God is not brain; He is spirit. And so you know, when we when we walk in the spirit. We walk in His love, and established in His love. We we are we are established, and, and so tongues edifies us. And you know, we always thought that you know, that's like being uh, you know when I get a bit flat, you know, I'll I'll put myself on the battery charger of tongues, and you know it charges me up a little bit, and I feel good to go for another few thousand miles. But the word is construct. And uh, if you look at that, God begins to construct something. When you and I speak in tongues, you know, you might be praying for something in English that is, you know, incredibly needy for you. But when you speak in other tongues, what you're doing is you're tapping into the perfect will of God and you are then opening up your life uh, as he is speaking and crying out deep calls unto deep. And you are now praying and he is constructing life for you. That is awesome. It's like I meditate on that quite a lot, and so and so you can speak in. You don't. And and if I give you a hint for this, because I'm a I speak in tongues more than all of you, and um, that's a quote from someone else. But yeah, yeah he's. Oh, it's a competition you want, is it? <laughs> so so it's been it's been part of my 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 whole deal for ever since I was baptized in the Holy Spirit because it was so radical for me, um, and and, uh, and and I find that God just builds stuff in my life all the time. And I know that's because his prayers are, are being heard, not just mine. And, um, and so construction is going on. You are way bigger than you think you are. And, uh, and so I just want to encourage you in that. And I know different traditions go, well, you know, we shouldn't speak in public and should do this and do all those kind of things. And it's a misunderstanding a lot of the, of the message of tongues. Um, and uh, and you, don't have to, you don't have to shout necessarily. Oh, 
You know, that's good, but you'll wear yourself out um, because, you know, the, the wick starts to burn then, not the oil. And so you can begin to just, you know, chat away in tongues. I often do it under my breath, you know, and I'll be, I'll, I'll be doing that just very quietly. I might be, you know, in a boring meeting, so I just... If I see your lips moving, I'll move on quickly, you know, so, um, but uh, th those are the kind of things, but I know that God's constructing something in me. So anyway, there's something for free, um, but, um, and, and that whole breath thing, so there's Ezekiel standing in this vast plain and all of that kind of things, and then he prophesies to the breath and the bones start coming alive. And, uh, and, and so this, this, this whole thing, flesh comes on them. And, and so that's what happens when the prophetic comes. When you begin to speak over people's lives, often that which is dead then comes to life again. Um, and, and um, you know, maybe tomorrow in the morning I'll just touch on that just a little bit uh, for the church, the whole church as well, because many times what happens is we get prophetic words at conferences and God does things to us, but we leave them on the shelf hoping that mystically and magically he will sometimes do them for us like some kind of divine puppeteer. But, you know, actually what he wants us to do is step into the prophetic ourselves, wrap himself in the word, remind himself of it, and begin to advance in, in, in such a way. And and, uh, and so I remember that prophecy. I remember what you said, Lord. Even though the times are really dark at the moment, I remember that. And God said to Ezekiel, prophesy to the bones. Prophesy. Prophesy to the wind. And so as he did this, this wind began to breathe on them again. And then you get into the early church, and, and Jesus is commissioning his disciples, and, you know, and he's, he's sending them out. And what does he do? He breathes on them. You imagine being in that room where Jesus commissions you, and then he's there, and he's like, he's the rabbi, you know, and then he goes, you know, and you, and, and this, this is the, this is the king of the universe, you know, wrapped in humanity, and and you kind of think you know that, but you, you've seen the stuff he's doing, the dead being raised, and and you know, little girls getting up again, women with issues of blood, you know, just just being healed and connected again with their families, and and guys coming down out of trees who were hated, and now Jesus is attending their house, and everybody's jealous, and and all of this kind of stuff, and, and uh, you know, he's calling a man out of a tomb who's been there three days, and you know, in the Middle East, you have got to get a body in the ground really, really quickly because they really go putrid really, really quickly. It's okay in Invercargill, they can lay out in the fields for months, you know, but it's okay, they hardly change. But, um, you know, in the Middle East, you've got to get it, you've got to get it quick, because it's like an oven, you know. Uh, my son lives in Doha, it's 49 degrees there today. Uh, so it's quite quite hot, really. And, uh, and uh, so you just don't want to die in 49 degrees. I met a horse once in India, and it was, uh, it was uh, 48 degrees, and it died. And three days la uh, later, it was just uh, a puddle, basically, with a few lumps in it. And, um, and, uh, and it stunk. And so uh, Jesus calls Lazarus out of a tomb. That's pretty crazy. And, and here he is now, he's breathing on them. And then on the day of Pentecost, which we celebrated just a few weeks ago, or a couple of Sundays ago, actually, and uh, uh, the Pentecost celebration of the birth of the church, uh, there was a sound of this breath came again. And, um, and so that's very cool. Hey? So anyway, I wasn't going to talk about that, but I thought I would because I could because I've got the talking stick. So um, uh, there we go. So we finished last night. And you're good? Yeah. Sitting beside someone attractive? Anybody? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a well-adjusted man right there. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what I thought I'd do um, in the time we've got this morning um, is, is 
just uh, just continue on where we were at last night, just talking about the whole area of revival, particularly because um, you know you guys are in a church that's well connected in that way, and and uh, and that's awesome. Um, we 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 talked about you know the the uh, uh, Elijah's birthing prayer. You know, he got down and he he put his face between his knees or his head between his knees, and and he adopted that Middle Eastern birthing position, and 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 out of that if you like, intercession. Because when you begin to pray, when you begin to intercede, you begin to birth something. You really do. God may put the seed of it in you, but you are the one that deals with the seed. And, uh, and then he, he, we, we put that demand not only on him for prayer, and we, we also put it on ourselves as we begin to sing through those things. And, uh, you know, it's hard. Who knows it's hard to praise uh, when it's really flat, you know, you just go, you really have to put that demand on ourselves. We spoke about that and, and all of those things as well. And then though the fig tree does not bud or there's no grapes or there's no kind of sign in your church or in your youth group or whatever you're leading and you, you go, oh Lord, will it, will it ever happen? Yet will I rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful to the God of my Savior. He is my strength and he will cause me to be like a deer that runs on mountaintops. I love that. That is so, so cool. So what I want to talk about is just something a little bit more teachy this morning because it's the morning session and um and uh, but you'll be inspired turn to someone and go I'm inspired already yeah just like in fact I'm going to breathe on you right now and uh <clears throat> make sure you have a mint before you do that a divine mint and uh do that so the bible is full of the bible is full of um uh where is my bible that's interesting um somewhere anyway it's been hijacked it's uh somewhere that's why I I've got, oh, good man, there you go. You two are amazing. You're amazing. Amazing couple, actually. You got three kids, is that right? Do you want any more? Because I've got a prophecy. No? It's like, uh, no. <laughs> I can tell by their face immediately. <laughs> Don't prophesy. <laughs> I'll pay you money not to prophesy. How much? Um, so... Uh, <laughs> You get too late. That's right. You guys remain. Just hold hands for a moment, will you? Just, uh, amen. Dearly beloved, gathered here today in the sight of. <laughs> Father, I want to bless these two this morning. What an amazing couple. Thank you, Lord. Just put your hands toward these guys, huh? And, uh, Father, we, I want to thank you for the gifts that are wrapped up in these two right now. And, Lord, I, I, I just feel it's just time that. Uh, you're just going to open some of those gifts in a whole new way, particularly for you, Liz. Liz, isn't it? It's Liz, isn't it? Yeah. And, um, and Liz, you can run around like a whirlwind doing all kinds of crazy things, making him look good. And, uh, um, and yet and God says, I've got something for you I'm going to open in these next few days, in these next few months, um, that's going to bring not only refreshment to you, but satisfaction, deep satisfaction. And, uh, and it's going to release um, a breath in your own home. And it's going to be a release of breath to the people around you and the people that you have influence with. And the people that you influence will influence others because of the breath that I've put in you and the gift that I'm giving you. And this man will be refreshed by it. And it's time for you to take a breath, my son. It's time for you just to stand for a moment and breathe and to understand again that I am the one that's constructing in you an amazing ministry that will touch nations that you will stand in other nations and you will stand with your feet in the dirt and you say, how did this happen? 
And I would say that it's happening because I planted a seed and a desire in you many years ago. And it's time now. As the, as the seasons come and the seasons go, there is a season where rain would germinate a seed. And that begins to produce that which I always intended it to produce. And together there will be an exponential increase in your ministries together. That as you hold hands like this this morning, there is such an amazing partnership. Because one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put 10,000 and more to flight. And you will find that, even in your children, it will go from generation to generation. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen. Oh, I just wanted to call Debbie. Where is Debbie? She's gone. Mm, I'll get her. No, 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 I'll get her. God will get her later. She's such a Joan of Arc. I just wanted to tell her that. Hmm. And so um, the Bible's full of... Uh, <laughs> it's really hard to change gears sometimes. <laughs> the, the Bible's just a revival book. My good friend Winky Prattney um, uh, wrote a revival Bible. I mean, he didn't write the Bible, but he, he cobbled together amazing people from around the world. It was his desire for like so many years and to produce the Revival Study Bible. And, uh, you know, he, he just put together the, all of these things. I think revival's mentioned specifically only twice in the Bible. But the synonyms are like this. This is this, the words that are similar to revival and, and really do mean revival in every shape and form. Uh, because you've got a revival handbook. You guys okay? Yeah, cool. Um, you've got a revival handbook uh, in, in your hands at the moment. So there's restore is a great word. So refresh uh, is, a, is another word that's in the Bible. Renew. Is, is, is in the Word of God, awakened. So when, when Lazarus was pulled out of his grave, and essentially he was revived. And, and so he was, he, there was a revival from, 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 from death. Uh, there's, there's quickened, something is quickened to us. Uh, and um, and if, you're, if you're pregnant, um, and um, you know, I'm not asking for a show of hands or anything, but uh, it's just, a, you know, mums will know this, that when the baby moves inside of you, you're like, oh, baby's moving first time. It's called a quickening. Uh, and um, that's that's what they used to call it in the old days, and uh, we we call it all kinds of things now. But but that's what it was called. It's a quickening. And when you when you've 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 had your head in that birthing position, and you're interceding for that which God's put in your heart and your life, and and then you 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 find that quickening in your spirit. That's when you say, "You better run right now," because I hear the sound of rain. Uh, I, you 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 know, I look out towards the horizon, and I know you'll find something because there's a quickening in me, and there's right. So that's that's kind of another simile there. There's a stirring, stirring, you know, that kind of things. Things get stirred up. There's a former remembrance. Those two words, former remembrance. So we bring into into the, the the foreground now that which used to be in the background one of the great things if you are a revivalist get hold of revival books get hold of the history of the salvation army for example get 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 um, hold of the history of the new life movement i've got I've got your history book, uh, and I'm sure that some of you have got it as well. It's a well-researched book. It talks about some of the moves of God, particularly in the South Island. Read those again and let faith come and, uh, and do that. There's a great young couple in Gore at the moment who have gone down to the New Life Church in Gore, uh, who have been friends of mine for years and years and years, and they've just gone down the last few months. They are going to have, and if they're not already having, a move of God in the place that did once host the National Conference for the New Life Movement of New Zealand. 
because it was just one of those places that was just actually buzzing. And the Gore area has seen um, revivals around the Waikaya Valley. I mean, there was one night a farmer was uh, a Christian guy had been praying for a move of God. He, he wasn't praying specifically that he would have revival. He was just praying for his neighbors. He was praying for an awakening himself. Uh, he was in the Waikaya Valley, which is near Gore. And, uh, and, uh, and, and one night he was up, he was troubled. There was something quickening in him. And uh, he didn't quite know what it was. He knew that, that he was being drawn to God. He sat at the kitchen table of his farmhouse with his Bible. He was pondering it. It was about two o'clock in the morning. And he lifted up his eyes and he looked out through the window, no curtains, because uh, you're in the country now. And, uh, and uh, he looked across the paddocks and he saw the lights on in his, in his neighbor's house, um, some you know, probably half a kilometre or, or maybe a kilometre away, but he was down there and he says, oh, his lights are on the kitchen. You know, he's up too, kind of thing. Then the quickening began to really happen in his life and he had felt compelled to go to his neighbour and he goes, well, I'll do that in the morning. And, uh, but God gave him no rest. And uh, after about a quarter of an hour wrestling with all of that, he just felt drawn to his neighbour and he went, put his gumboots on, trudged down the road, went up, knocked on the window of the farmer who he could see at the table and the guy stirred and looked at him and came out and he said what do you want and he said I I want to come and and talk with you and he said I was praying that someone would come and he had a shotgun on the kitchen table and he was considering committing suicide because of some financial hardships that he was going through and things happening on the farm and he couldn't see a way out and his friend that night led him to Jesus and then they led their neighbors to Jesus, and every house down the Waikaya Valley was converted to Christ. And now there is a multi-million dollar trust that feeds into missions from that area. And uh, I'm, I'm telling you, it just happened because God was a being. He brought a quickening. So, so when you look at some of those stories that have happened, you bring into remembrance the things that God has done. And then you start praying, God, do it again. Do that again. Imagine going down the streets of, of Rangiora and seeing, you know, lights on in the middle of the night going, hey, what's happening? You know, like, it's always good. So, so um, a, a raised, um, a back again, life, all of those things, resurrect, reconcile, rest, re- reconcile. I mean, Second Corinthians says we are ministers of reconciliation. And so reconciliation, really what it does is begins to bring back and, and, uh, and renew and revive life again so that we can walk together in agreement. Amos says, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? And so what begins to happen is when we make uh, reconciliation and we become ministers of reconciliation, then we become partners with God bringing heaven to earth. That's exciting. Um, and, uh, and so there's return, renew, newness, repair, um, making whole, building again, rebuilding, healing, turning back, all of these kind of things are similes, if you like, for revival. Leonard Ravenhill, who was a great, um, a great revivalist and a great writer and preacher, um, and uh, he wrote a book called Why Revival Tarries. Uh, great old book and uh, as a young guy I read it and it was like throwing petrol on a fire for me you know because I and I read it and I read it again and I read it again and uh, and uh, as a great old guy and saw remarkable moves of God through many of the men that he mentored including Winky Prattney and um, in fact his son David Ravenhill said why revival tarries is probably because not enough people bought my father's book but anyway I don't know it's just that was his throwaway line but um, uh, Leonard Ravenhill said this revival is when God gets so sick and tired of being misrepresented, he just shows up. I like that. 
God gets so sick and tired of being misrepresented. He just goes, okay, I'll just show up. And you know, there is revival in us. Every one of us carries. We talked about that last night, the, the power of God, the, 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 the anointing of God, all of that. We can go in and change an atmosphere like Dale and I did in a, in a, in a photograph store and, uh, that I was telling you about. We can go into a church and we can stir things up. We can go into a, into, a, into a group of people and see people one for Christ and all of those kind of things. But when the church begins to kind of you know rest on its laurels a bit and remember the day and all of those kind of things, that's when we need another generation, another generation to rise up and go, God, we want that to do that again. We want our own stories. And, uh, and, and so, you know, revival is when that time when, when, when God sometimes gets misrepresented. And that happens in churches. Uh, that's when we, you, 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 he wants to just show up and, and show off again. And uh, that. Here's, here's another quote. I love this guy. His name is Jonathan Goforth. Uh, remember having a name. He was, he was a missionary in China. Uh, you, you probably wouldn't have any options with a surname called Goforth. Um, it's just like, there he was, he was in China in the Boxer Rebellion uh, in there, and uh, he was in what is known as Tenement Square now, you know, when, when you would wade through the square up to your ankles in human blood because of the martyring that was going on. It was a vicious and just sustained place. And in the midst of all of that, he said, if revival is being withheld from us, it is because some idol remains still enthroned because we still insist in placing our reliance on human schemes, because we still refuse to face the unchangeable truth that it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You know, we look at all of those kind of things. I'll read that again. If revival has been withheld from us, it is because some idol remains and is still enthroned, because we still insist on placing our reliance on human schemes, because we still refuse to face the unchangeable truth that it's actually not by might, nor by power, but actually it's by my spirit, says the Lord. You know, God will always answer your prayers according to the idols in your heart. That's why, you know, when we pray sometimes and think, oh, no, it's okay, you know, like, God, you know, this is the young man's prayer, you know, who's like wanting to walk with God, but really wanting to bed his girlfriend. God, would you let me, you know, sleep with my girlfriend? He's already made the decision in his mind. And so God will answer him according to the idol in his heart. God, that went silent. Sorry about that. Um, but I can run through event after event. Because when we go to God with something still erect in our lives and still standing on its feet, then he will answer us according to that because he will never violate our will. And so God, we want you to take our idols, please. It's our idols of sexuality, our idols of relationship, our idols of consumerism, our idols of chocolate cake and stamp collecting. I don't know, whatever your idol is, but it, it is like, we've all got them. And, 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 you know, I don't know, when you feel stressed, you know, who, who has chocolate cake? Um, I'm not asking for a show of hands, but if you want to show your hands, I, I, I personally like chocolate. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so all of those things are what? They're comforts. Let's not call them idols because that demonizes them a lot and we're not willing to put our hands up for anybody. But, but if we say there are comforts, and, and we can do that. So a lot of things can become comforts. Hobbies can become comforts. Oh, let's go fishing. You know, I, 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 a great friend of mine, when things get really you know, um, uh, a bit 
tough at home, uh, he disappears into the bush for two or three days. And uh, then he comes back happy. But the trouble is, his wife and kids are still in this terrible situation at home. And all he's done is comfort himself for a few days. And, and, and th- he thinks he's going to be okay. And he comes back and they go back to Groundhog Day again. It just goes round and round and round and round. God will answer us according to the idols in our heart. And so those things that comfort us are in place of the comfortor. Because God's always trying to just just corral us, if you like, towards him. And uh, that's part of revival as well and all of that. Here's, here's some, are you cool? Is that good? Yeah. All right, okay. And so here's some move of God terminology uh, that will help us out a little bit. Two things, there's three words that people use to describe um, uh, revivals and, and, and moves of God. So the first one is renewal, if you're taking notes. I did have these on a PowerPoint, but um, I rummaged through my things last night and unfortunately left it on another computer. Uh, and so uh, you'll just have to imagine there's a lovely PowerPoint up there with the word renewal written up there uh, on it. And that's when God touches an individual or the heart of a single individual. All of us have been renewed. If you've given your heart to Jesus, there was a point in time God came and in your brokenness and and whatever else you were going through at the time, uh, when you said yes to Jesus, renewal came into your life. And so, so that which was old now became renewed. You know, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And so uh, that's, that's, you know, Paul writes that in 2 Corinthians. And so here's this whole area of renewal. So renewal is, is part of personal, if you like, revival. And then we use the word. So PowerPoint's up again, renewal, we've had that. And then we've got revival, all right? And so revival is when God touches a community of faith. This is a community of faith, all right? So you get renewed people together who have got a whole new perspective in life, walking with Jesus, but that doesn't actually constitute revival because all of us have got different opinions and we've got different ways of doing things and all of those kind of things. And when I met Murray Thompson, he had been in a revival in the Solomon Islands. And what had happened was on a Sunday, he was meeting with the community of faith. And so these were all people who have been renewed, all people who have given their lives to Jesus. And so they were missionaries, they were teachers, they were part of the faith community of the Solomon Islands. And he was there specifically in a conference like this to really talk to them uh, about the ways of God and, and, and all of those things. He'd been rejected by his own people. And here he was now coming to the Solomons, which was kind of an in-between bridge but to European or Pakeha people who were ministering there in the Solomon Islands. And this is before he came into New Zealand. There was the March for Jesus and all those kind of things that began to happen and renewal began to happen there for many other people. And so here he is in this building. As he was preaching, there was a sound of a wind that began to happen. That which is not unusual because it was the islands and, uh, you know, all of those kind of things. Uh, and, um, and so people just carried on and, and listening to him and, and all of that, very much like you guys were today. So just pretend you are all missionaries and teachers and all of that, of that faith community. Here we are. And so you're just having a bit of a break now. I'm Murray Thompson, and you're preaching, and we're just, we're just having a great time doing that. Then there's a wind starts blowing. As he begins to carry on preaching, the wind gets louder and louder and louder and it really begins to just increase and so there's a point where where people are really struggling to hear you know kind of a few words they're missing a few words and so but but then the people who live there suddenly realize well this is really not hurricane season and so we probably need to do something we need to get our kids we need to and so some of the missionaries started to get out of their seats and they went over towards the windows and they needed to check on how the kids were doing outside And when they looked outside, there was not a leaf moving, not a leaf, nothing. It was just a perfectly still day. But still this roar was in this building and on the building. And suddenly 
they realized. Suddenly the quickening happened. Suddenly the penny dropped. And the missionaries looked at each other and two of them slid down the wall and started sobbing. And Murray didn't, was affected, unaffected by this, he told me. And, and he said, I looked and I wondered what was going on. And then those missionaries went over and one of them was whispering to another person and then they started crying. What had happened was that they were so convicted that they'd had an issue with this person that they went over and said, I, I just want to make this right with you. And then that happened throughout that meeting. He said, I observed people. I stopped preaching in an end as people went uninvited to one another in the middle of the preaching and asked forgiveness and received prayer and made restitution as best they could in the community of faith. And he said, and then that wind filled them. And he said, they began to worship God. They began to lay on the ground. They were very conservative evangelicals. They weren't Pentecostals. But he says, at that time, they turned into a people possessed by God. And then they went out and they took the fire. They took the wind. They took the oil. They took that revival because now that community of faith were together, walking in unity. And they went out into the Solomon Islands and a move of God came that is now clearly documented in history. So much so that artists began to paint pictures of Jesus. And when they were put in the windows of stores, people couldn't stop. They were so convicted of sin. They would, they would, they would repent on the spot. Often some of them were smitten and weeping and couldn't even articulate what was going on for them. And they had to be carried to their homes. And they, they had to take the pictures out of the windows of some of the stores because people were blocking the the uh, the sidewalks um, be, be, and, and businesses couldn't be happening. There was there was meetings beginning to erupt. No one was organising them. People were one to Christ. There was a move that swept right through the Solomon Islands simply because revival came to a community of faith. That's revival, all right. And that's that's not that's sovereignty. It's it's God it's God reaching us, but it's us reaching Him. James says, you know, if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And the very fact that you're here and paid reasonable money to be here on a Saturday morning and a Friday night and a Saturday afternoon, it means you're reaching out to God. You're fairly serious about that. You, you, you're going, well, you know, I just I want to support my local church and, you know, I'm, this is probably a good way to do it. But no, 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 there's something more than that because the, the, this, is, this is pretty clearly stated, uh, you know, that this is something that we're going to be established in love. There's going to be worship. We're going to have encounter times, uh, uh, all of those things. We've got, a, we've got a session this afternoon where people are just going to go, well, let's just, you know, throw the rules out and let's just, you know, see what God will do. You know, let's, let's do that. <laughs> and, and, and so that's fairly clearly articulated in, in what we're doing. And so God can move on that. It's so as we draw near to him, then he will draw near to us. Have you ever seen lightning being made? It's astonishing. You can Google it. Uh, do it sometime this afternoon or something. But, but lightning, when it's formed, if you just Google lightning, I don't know, lightning birthed or lightning being made, I don't know, just make it up. But it's like you, you can see these very st you know, fast camera actions, but they're you know, super slow-mo, if you like. What happens is there's lightning, it cracks down from heaven. But before that begins to happen, there, are, there is lightning that's, that's coming up from the ground. It's just sneaking up. And they've caught this on camera, and it's amazing to look at because you can see this you can see this finger of light coming up and then going back down again. And then you see two or three of them going, going up and back down again. And it's kind of like as it comes up from the earth, there's these fingers, and then suddenly there is this lightning that's happening, and suddenly it meets, and it's BAM! It cracks. But it's not just lightning there. It is earth that's here. 
It's astonishing. And, and you know, it's such a, it's a, I should have brought a clip with me, but it's just one of those things. I wasn't planning to do any of this, all right? So uh, it's it just like, you, you need to find it and look at it. It's an amazing uh, thing. But it's just when you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. It's in nature. And, and it's in his nature as well. And so there's renewal, there's revival. And then, and then what happens is often the church begins to stop there. Often we begin to go, well, this is good for us, and, and we've needed this for some times. In fact, I've been in the States a few times where they have revival meetings. And so they advertise, right, on the, on the, you know, on the 3rd of August, uh, uh, for a week, we're going to have revival. And so I always laugh at that. You know, I always tease the life out of them um, for that. And say, so, yeah, are you going to have revival? Like, what's that going to look like? I say, oh, no, it's just going to have a whole bunch of people come. And I say, are you running a conference? No, 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 it's a revival. I said, well, it's, it's really just a conference. You know, like, you're fooling yourselves. You know, I pay them out a little bit in, in the whole thing. But they've just gotten to a culture of doing it because that's where it is. If they have a meeting and people get excited and give some money and maybe someone will give their life to the Lord, we've had a revival. But, but revival is when that whole Solomon Island community went out into the community and they went from renewal to revival to an awakening. And in, and in Wales, at the, at the turn of last century, now I used to say the turn of this century, but the turn of last century in the 1904-1905, you know, Evan Roberts prayed a simple prayer, and it was, Lord, it was simply this. He said, Lord, bend me. That was it. Three words. And they, they were the words that he repeated over and over and again in a barn with about four other young guys. There was five of them all together. And then one night in particular, he began to cry out with such a passion, such a, like a, that birthing period, he goes, Lord, bend me. And in that moment, the lightning went up from the ground and down from heaven. And they said that it was like the barn roof was lifted off and heaven fell on those five young men. And the nearest thing that they said to a whole nation being saved was that move of God, which lasted 16 months. And today, you have to understand that when they sing in Welsh rugby grounds, guide me or they'll greet Jehovah, or they start, the whole crowd starts singing those hymns, they are echoes of a past move of God. When the football grounds, the rugby grounds, the pubs, and the theatres were closed because meetings were held there to glorify God. The ponies, the pit ponies, the donkeys that worked in the mine wouldn't work for the newly converted miners because their language changed overnight. They, the donkeys didn't understand them anymore. They, what are you saying? <laughs> you want me to move? <laughs> You've never been so kind to me. <laughs> they weren't beating them. They weren't hurting them. They weren't swearing at them. They weren't cussing them out. And the ponies wouldn't work. Judges wore white gloves because it showed that that, that was their show. They had no cases to try. That was phenomenal. And that was the, one, of the, one of the nations. And, and so when the Lord says, can a nation be changed in a day? It's just really like a rhetorical question because he goes, yeah, absolutely a nation can be changed today. If an individual can be changed in a moment and, 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 and all of those kind of things, that, that, that if a church can be changed in a day, what can happen to a nation? What can happen to New Zealand? What can happen to the land of the long white veil? cloud, when, um, the, you know, the, when God begins to sweep from the north to the south, south to northwest, east, who cares where it starts? But a wave of his glory begins to come on this nation and turn this little prophetic nation that punches way above its weight. What would happen if this nation got changed in a day? I, 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 I just boggle that because we are will changers. Will changes. My my son works as a head of department at Weta Digital, and and you've got to know that you know, and he he loves working the job. But Peter Jackson has changed the world of filming. 
And Weta does, and I can't tell you some of the movies, and he's not supposed to tell me some of the movies, but, but it's not just doing Peter Jackson movies. We're doing, movies are now coming to New Zealand just simply to be tidied up because we lead the world in special effects. And so, you know, some of the, you'd be surprised at some of the, and they're not even credited for them. They, they just move them. They paid a lot of money for them, but they're not credited for them. And so, the, and so these movies are just sent here, sent here, sent here, sent here. One of them was the A-Team, which everybody knows about, which is an old movie now. But when they got that at Weta, it was such a mess. They said it was just so, and they were going to release it in, in two weeks' time. And they looked at it, and they were just like, oh, my goodness. And so they worked night and day to bring the special effects on. You might remember the scene. Anybody seen the A-Team? Okay, remember the scene when the tank came out and the whole thing? So that was, the Weta did that. That was, this, you know, they had bits and rudimentary stuff. When they put that together, and then in Andrew's office, it was like rock, paper, scissors to see who gets it strapped to their wrist, wrist and take it to LA on business, uh, business, uh, you know, uh, business flying and um, the first class, whatever it was, uh, to go to the studio for three days to deliver it. We lead the world in that stuff. You got to look at sports, look at all of that kind of stuff. But the church that led the world in praise and worship and missions and missions, we've got to come again. We've really got to redig that well again. And so my messages to churches all around is simply a message of, come on, you know, let's get renewed, let's get revived, but let's have an awakening in our nation. And so there are three words. You're good. So uh, let's let's really really quickly. I'm just gonna because we're gonna finish in about five minutes time. So five minutes. Turn to someone and go five minutes. He's, he's amazing. Here we go. What does revival cause? You just write these down because these can be unpacked any time. It causes resurrection, all right? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is where? In us, all right? Think of that, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Um, you know, um, my wife's a cardiac nurse, and um, we worked in hospitals together and all of those kind of things. But, you know, she said, you know, when they put those paddles on, on someone, they're dead or they're, they're, they need to be revived. You know, you put the paddles on them. And, uh, and uh, the, the, the thing that they say once they've, you know, got all the, got all the, uh, all, the, all the stuff ready, they go, clear. You've seen that on ER, I'm sure. And, and even if you are touching a sheet, all right, because that power will go through the person and through the bed and through the sheets. If you're touching the corner of, a, of the sheet, it'll knock you off your feet. And the thing that starts that person's heart, his heart will stop yours simply because of the nature of the kilojoules that's used and the way that it's wired up. In fact, they deliberately stop people's hearts sometimes um, with the same method and then restart it again. And, and so they're so clear. So can you imagine when Jesus was raised from the dead and God looks down and he goes, clear, just as I'm about to raise Jesus from the dead, because even then there was like graves opened all. Jesus wasn't the only one resurrected. Read your Bibles. There was there was like there was there was graves opened. There was people coming out going, "Hey, what happened, man?" It's like what, <laughs> you know? One minute I'm there, and now I'm here, and 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 you know, and and so that's an amazing thing. So the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and I. Turn to the person, just poke them in the ribs and go, same power. And uh, that's it. So revival causes that resurrection, all right? Now, don't break a rib, just be nice to them. And uh, it's, that's all cool. Second one is refreshing. So there's a whole area of refreshing comes. Acts, Acts 3 says this, when we repent of our sins and turn to God and our sins are wiped away, then times of refreshment come from the Lord. What a great day that is. You know, when those, those, those days of refreshment, they come from, well, that's revival. So there's re resurrection, there's refreshing, there's rejoicing. There's just an amazing time when the church begins to rejoice again. You know, some, I go to some churches and, my Lord, it looks like they've heard bad news, not good news. 
It was like they'd been all been baptized in lemon juice, you know. And, and just you, know, you get outside the door, and everybody's like happy, and you know, but inside it's looked like someone's cling filmed them, you know. You know, just like they're, they're like, what is the matter with you people? You know, like, come on. You know, there's a, I, I've got joy, but it, it's down in my heart. Uh, uh, yeah, it's good. Well, get an oil drill and dig that sucker up. You know, like, it's just uh, let your face know that there's something happening on the deep inside of you. You know, because honestly, you look like a serial killer. It's just like, it's just like, and I say that to people sometimes, you know, just like, come on, guys. What's the deal? It's just like, you know, put, put it on your face. So there's rejoicing in, in, in all of that. And, um, you know, yeah, amen. I mean, you, you dig that one for yourself. There's a, a number of scriptures. There's a reaction. I remember when Paul came and he, he was uh, on the island of Malta. He was shipwrecked. He's just trying to start a fire, you know, like most revivalists are trying to do. They're just trying to rub a few sticks together and go, come on, you guys, let's go. We get revived. And he's starting the fire. And, and while he's doing that, a snake comes out and bites him. And trust me, there's a great analogy there because when you, when you begin to push through into revival sometimes, you know, it's really interesting what the fire brings out. Uh, because it, and, it, and, and, and I've been, a, been appalled at some of the things in my own heart when I've got before the Lord and I've been in revival and I'm saying, God, this is so good. I don't want to move from here. You know, like, you know, would you speak into my heart? You know, I'll serve you for all my days. And then he tells me I've got to forgive my wife or I've got to go to her and ask her forgiveness because I've been mean to her. And I'm going... Oh, yeah, that. And the problem is, many times we are disobedient at a small point. And then we go, God, you know, and we, we move around and we look for something else for God to latch onto that we think is more holy. And God always just brings us back to the mundane because he, he brings us back to the point where he says, if you don't deal with this, you'll never deal with that. You've got to be faithful in little before you're faithful in much. And so there's times, and I remember going to Dale and times says, honey, I got that so wrong. Um, I got that so wrong. I, would you please forgive me? I was, I was, I was out, of, out of line and I was out of touch with you. And she was going, oh, it's all right. I, I, I said, no, no, it's not all right. I, I've been convicted of God. Would you forgive me? And, you know, those words are like, would you, would you, would you, would you just pass over it for me? No, it's when you go, would you forgive me? And she goes, of course I forgive you, you know, like, and, and, but, but it's, you know, the humility is not often on the part of the person, it's on you. It feels like it's drawing teeth sometimes. But, you know, God wants us to do that. So his reactions and every that. Bill Johnson's got a great quote. He said, every denomination is the corpse of a great revival. Let's just think about that for a minute. <laughs> every movement, every denomination is the corpse of a great revival. You know, what God did in the past is fantastic, but we institutionalize it, you know, and we do all kinds of things with it, and we prop it up, and, you know, all, all, all kinds of stuff. But God's moving on. God, God moves all the time. He's always moving, and he's always drawing us into that. You know, my natural default is, because of my age, is to get the Jesus movement of when I was 16, 17, and 18. And so I dragged myself out of the Jesus movement and was got involved in the charismatic renewal, which was amazing. You could, you could basically go... Uh, bar bar black sheep is there any wool and people go give their hearts to Jesus and fill, we're filled with the Holy Spirit I'm going it's like oh my goodness it's like that's what happens when God gets involved you know it's like he just like uses a weird testimony I got up in a church once and told five jokes five jokes made an altar call 16 people got born again and the pastor was so mad with me he was like how can you do that I said I don't know it's not my fault 
it's just like, it's just, I didn't know what else to say. It was just like, they looked funny people, so I told them jokes, and they laughed. Then they cried, and they gave their hearts to Jesus, 16 of them. I'm going, it's got to be good to be happy about that at least. <laughs> um, so there's reaction, there's, there's revelation that begins to happen. So, so we look at that, we've got resurrection, we've got refreshing, we've got rejoicing, we've got reaction, we've got revelation. Uh, we've got that prayer, prophetic proclamation, all of that, and then finally we've got revolution. And, and I'll leave you with the scripture. This, this, is, this is all of this. Uh, it's in, and it's in Acts 17. It just speaks for itself. But listen to the text. It's just amazing. I love this. I, I, I really love this. It says, but the Jews who were not persuaded became envious. And they took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathered together a mob. They set all of the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason. And they sought to bring him out to the people. And when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brethren to the rulers of the city, and they cried out, these are them who have turned our city upside down. That's, that's what I want. I, I want to turn the city upside down. I wanted to do it when I was 17 and 18. It's never, never lost its passion. There's been times through dips and hollows, but I want to leave that with you today. What would God do with us if we could turn our city upside down? But he would take us back to the mundane to deal with that before he takes us and trusts us with a move of God. And we need to meditate on that. God bless you guys.